Welcome to the... Okay, you're not ready to match my energy? Not at that level. Yeah. Okay, let's, re, let's go back. Square one. Okay. Welcome to the Belfast. Well, let's transition into our next topic, talking about churches and where they should and shouldn't be. Lucas, what are we talking about? What today? a beautiful transition. Thank you. We are talking about programs. Um, no, we're talking about church. Yeah, we're talking about church, but like... Surprise, surprise! <laughs> Another church topic. Two episodes in. Two for two. Go ahead. <laughs> I mean, you you should know what you're getting into when you start listening, so... <laughs> Um, but no, this is, um, this is because of conversations, like little conversations we've been having over the past two weeks or so, uh, just about church, about some of our frustrations with church, um, that are around us, that aren't around us, um, some of the things that are going on and some of the things that have been going on, but just really a lot of the conversations have gotten down to the point of, uh, many times church and church organizations and mega churches can end up becoming a program instead of a community. Mm-hmm. And so because it's hard and it's very hard to trust Holy Spirit. And when you're in a small community, when you maybe don't have all the program things in order and you don't have everything nailed down and everything down to a science, then you have to trust Holy Spirit. But that's a very scary thing. And it's easier to say, well, I have this system and I have all these things organized and I have, I know exactly what I'm going to teach. I know exactly how I'm going to teach it. I know exactly what I want these people in this thing to think or believe once they leave it. So here's the program. Here's the system and we'll just pump people out of that system so they make sure that our brand is on point so that everybody who walks in and bumps into somebody with a whatever t-shirt on or bumper sticker or whatever from like our church gets the same thing every time because it's program and yeah so that's what it's boiled down to is we feel like a lot of times things become programs because some of the mystery is lost and some of the trust, honestly, and Holy Spirit to do his work um, gets lost. It might not be said like that specifically, but that is kind of how it's acted out. Mm. So, yeah. And so today we have broken down the are you programmed question into three subcategories. And we will talk about each of those three subcategories in great detail. The first subcategory is money, Luke. And I was talking to somebody. Dude, that is crazy because literally today at, um, so I was at Center Church. Of course. And I'm going to name drop this one because it's amazing. Um, and the church is amazing? Yeah, the church okay. is amazing. That's a good, yeah, that's a good caveat about a deconstructionist podcast about. Reconstruct, deconstructionist slash reconstructionist podcast. There you go. There you have it. Um, yeah, I think I like reconstructionist podcast. Yeah, it's a mouthful, that's what, but it's what it is. That's what we want to be. That's what our slogan needs to be. It's a mouthful, but it's what it is. I ate like 20 chicken McNuggets and a large fry right before we did this. That's a mouthful. It's a mouthful, but it's what it is. <laughs> um, but anyway, it's funny. We're talking about money because literally at Center this morning, what we talked about was generosity. Um, was the subject and, spe- and it's like okay interesting, interesting. <laughs> but um, it's a very small church in Springfield it's it meets at um, Eurasia and at the queue um, but it's like 30 or 40 people at each service um, the second service is very much more non-traditional more of like a group discussion um, but anyway th- this morning at the more or less traditional service um, but also much more communal. We talked about generosity. We talked about money and they literally talked about 
specifics in their own like small church budget, who they give to, how much they give, how much they need, like all that kind of stuff. So it was really, really cool to see. So you like, as a so you as a church patron were let into the finance side of your very own church. Yes, and it was very it was. and it was very transparent. Okay, and that's something that Jeremy brought up is he was like the healthier a church is, the more transparent they're going to be with their finances, with the whole body, with the whole congregation. Right, because like they're the ones giving the money they're the ones doing the thing and so like they have you know they should know what their money's going towards and how the leaders are using their money and all of that kind of thing and it should be open to you know to like wanting to know more if they want to know specifically like you know how much is spent on meetings or food for whatever and all that kind of stuff and so it was just, it was really refreshing to hear a sermon, not, hey, tithe to us, tithe to us, tithe to us, but really about how do you live a life of generosity, of your money, of your time, of your talents in this church, excuse me, and outside of this church, and not just to make center, to make this church, like, be bigger, be better, because it's very small and they want to keep it small. Mm Mm-hmm. So there's no like competition to be like, we have to get this better thing, but it's like, no, like we love meeting in this coffee shop, but we pay to like be in the space every Sunday. So like we need the money to be able to continue to do that. Right. It's about maintenance, not about growth. Not about expansion. Yes. But yeah, anyway, sorry, we can get, what do you, what do you want to say about money? That was just part, that wasn't all that wasn't even close to all of what we talked about this morning, but yeah. So I was in discussion with somebody who works at a church and the point that they brought up was there's a transactional idea between church goers and church leaders. And yeah, I'd say that's way that travels way more than just money, but yes. Yeah. But it's like, we give you money, you, with that money, provide us spiritually with, funny enough, programs <laughs> like Sunday morning services, mm-hmm. good worship teams, uh, trendy stage design, like Awanas is a big one that comes to mind. Like, you as a parent of three small children would hope that if you're giving money to your church, that some of that money would be used to educate your kids about, you know, Bible stories and about Jesus, because that's how you want your kids to grow up. Yeah. And I wouldn't say that's a bad desire either. It's not a bad desire, but is that really how we want to view church as this idea of like, I'll give them money if they spiritually satisfy me. I think that's such a really dangerous thing because then you turn going to church, like going to target sooner or later, you're going to start finding things that are wrong and you're going to start asking for returns or you're going to start asking for replacement items. Well, if you fired that one preacher, then, you know, I hope that the student ministry gets a buff, you know, new Mm. worship center. If you stop playing that one song, I really hope that the message really hits at this one point then. It comes down to things as ticky-tacky as that. Because you hear people leaving churches all the time. Well, the speaker just wasn't as good as this speaker. The worship there wasn't as good as this other place. Dude, that's something that me and uh, one of my mentor were talking about last week. And it was funny enough because he was like, dude, if you find yourself only going to the place for like one of the things that they do, then like that's proof that like it's part of like a program for you. Right. Like if it's, if you're just there because like, oh man, like the, you know, or uh, I guess here, here's a, maybe a better example or a better way to say it. Cause I think a lot of, 
what how we view and judge church is with like the preacher or the message right which is to be fair a a thing that should probably be a very big like reason that we go somewhere right in the modern sense which we can discuss like how that might need to change oh we'll discuss that soon enough yeah but um but like i think it's part of it is like the if i'm if like there's multiple people speaking mm-hmm. or who are pastors at this church and usually there's one head pastor who speaks most of the time disagree don't like that yeah we That's can get into that yeah, in a well, second we'll talk about that in a, in another podcast but if like if you only go when like that one person speaking because you only go for them then it's like then that's really showing you where your transaction is because it's like oh that one person is like the thing that I go there for right and they're going to give me what I want yeah luke what i think you're saying is that's exactly how we do church me and you right now yes it is it is just Which to call I, ourselves no, out. No, no, no. Yeah, because he literally said that, and I laughed, and I was like, oh, yeah, I literally do that. Because we were very okay with showing up to church 20 minutes late the other night. We were playing Xbox, and it was like, time to go to church, and we go, now we'll play one more game, because it enabled us to not have to stand through worship, which we both agree isn't the best. Yeah. And so we were just like, we can just skip it. Yeah. Which doesn't make me feel good about it. No. But, and again, like, we've literally looked at but each we're, other when we're somebody's gonna be not speaking. Yeah, we're honest with ourselves at, at the very least. And hopefully honest with whoever, like, you as a listener. Right. And so, like, the issue I find is, like, even, like, we've looked at, like, somebody will walk on stage. They'll bring out a different podium that we know that somebody uses frequently. Dude, literally, it's down to that much detail where we know. Yeah, where you know, like, okay, where are they coming out on stage? Like, who's wearing the he- who's wearing the yeah. the mic when we walked in? Yeah, and then it's like we could go if we wanted. Like, we've looked at each other a couple times on a Sunday morning and looked at each other and go, yeah, like we could go. Yeah. So it's just. Like, I don't feel, but the the difference between us doing that and the difference between other people doing that is I think we're both not okay with that. Yeah, like, we want something better than that. We want that. something better, but we also, like, that's disgusting of us to, like, get it down to a minute FBI-style investigation of who's speaking this week. Mm-hmm. Okay, go on the Instagram, see who's there. See if, see if this person preached last week at this other thing, because they might have been preoccupied. Like that sort of stuff is like, that's not how I want to like view church. I want to go and and part of my thing about why I attend. Can you can you put the mic down so you're speaking like straight into, into it? Into it, yeah. There we go. Uh, part of the thing, like I mean, I've told you about the reason we go to church is like I like the social element of it. I like that idea of community and fellowship that I don't really get, you know, mm-hmm. as just sitting on the porch reading my Bible in the morning. Yeah. Which, Which is it, important. It is important. It's totally important. And to like have that accountability with people and to hang out with people, it's that's important. But I don't know how feasible, like, is it feasible for me to go to church every week just banking on the fact I'm going to see some of my friends? Because then I've gone to church some weeks by myself and just been like, uh, I could have stayed home. Yeah, and then it becomes kind of not necessarily. Then it becomes non-intentional, right? And the time you see them, because you're like, ah, hopefully I'll catch them after the service exactly. or before or whatever. Yeah. And I mean, the difference between me and you is you hook up with your community group guys, and you guys will talk about, hey, what's been encouraging this week, that sort of thing. Like I've seen you have conversations with people that are way more deep than the conversations I have with my friends. Which is like, hey man, haven't seen you since last week at the same place, same time, you know? Yeah. So it's interesting, yeah. I mean, that's definitely what I'm convicted on is like, do I spend my time at church physically in the building? Am I maximizing that opportunity there? Yeah. And I think, I mean, and we're getting off kind of the money topic. I I do want to, because I do, I think we should go into this transactional thing about like relationships right? and like time, which I want to get into in just a second. But I also want to 
bring up something about money that was talked about this morning that mm. I think is very, very important. Go ahead. Where we talked about the tithe. Mm. And we talked about how that 10% is actually brought over from a monarchy system where everybody with under the monarch would give 10% of their stuff to him because like the government and the church were like one thing and like especially for like um, Israel and all of that, which like it's not a bad thing, but it's become this like systematic thing or this like program and it becomes this transaction where I think a lot of the time the narrative said or unsaid in church is like, hey, because like they they use those verses about like, you know, you, you know, you sacrifice, you give, you'll receive tenfold, a hundredfold, whatever. And it's like, um, it becomes this thing of like, well, yeah, I'm giving my 10%, but God's going to give me back more and I'm going to make more money because I give some money. And the more money I give, the more money I'm going to end up making. And it's this weird, like karma thing that we brought into Christianity yes. when it comes to like tithing and it's disgusting. And like calling things blessings, what I've noticed <sighs> in the church is calling things blessings and not calling them karma is not making it not karma. Like, Ooh, wait, wait say, the okay, rapper- say that. Like calling in the church as a Christian, when you call something like receiving blessings for things you've done or like hardships you've gone through and just not calling it karma doesn't make it a different ideology. It's very similar. I cannot like I love Chance the Rapper, how he's outspoken about his faith, whatever. I think that's great. I think it's kind of like the Hillsong version of like, yeah, where it's like, hey, like here, come listen to this. It's all about joy and acceptance and love, like, which Jesus is, but it's, it, do you need to fix your mic real quick? I do. Yeah. There we go. Better. Better. Okay. Okay. I'll restart that. So Chance the Rapper is all about love and grace and, and kindness and blessings. And there's three songs on the album titled blessings and it's, or are there two, two or three? I think it's three. I don't remember. I haven't listened to Coloring Book in a long time. It's like ridiculous because now there's like all these people out there. They're like, yeah, blessings. Like, yeah, I'll put my when praise up. When the praises up. go up. When the praises go up, the blessings come down. I go, well, what happens when the praises go up and nothen comes down? What happens when the praises <laughs> go up and your mom gets diagnosed with cancer? What happens when the praises go up and you lose your job? Yeah. What happens then? Well, then, uh, I don't know. God's really screwing me over. Is God screwing you over? Or you just have a shallow faith where you think this transaction of my praises go up, my tithes go up, blessings got to be coming down. I better get that promotion. You know, I tithe 20% instead I tithe, of 10. Yeah, I tithe 20%. So I, pray. I had that meeting and like hopefully the boss is going to say this thing because I'm about to get, you know, more money in this bank account. And it's just, it's so selfish. It's, it's really so selfish. And... I feel like it's the mark of a really good Christian to know that when you're closer to God, things tend to get harder, not easier. Yeah. Oh, also, also on this whole on this whole thing, I I thought about this. Uh, two two thoughts. Two two things from Scripture. So um, when um, when Jesus talks in the Sermon on the Mount about giving, I think this is part of it because he says like. Don't blow your trumpet. Don't like make the announcement that like I'm giving this thing to this person. Right. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. Mm-hmm. I think part of that too is like like even if you do end up having that story of like man, I gave this thing, I sacrificed this thing and like some crazy happened later, right? I think that's maybe more of a mark of your maturity so then God is able to like put more under your responsibility. Yes. I, I like that statement. Anyway. <laughs> um, Quote yourself, why don't you? Um, but like, also, there's the, that story of like, all of, um, of like, when Jesus and is like watching all the people like give, and like all the rich people are coming by and they're putting like handfuls of money into the thing. And that widow comes by and she gives two pennies. Right. And what does he say? He calls the disciples over and he says, hey, hey, look, look, look. She gave more than all of them. And it wasn't the amount, it was out of what she had that she sacrificed to give. Right. But she doesn't walk away with more money. 
No. She walks away poorer. Yeah. She walks away two pennies less. And it's like, then where did we get this idea that like, oh, because I'm going to give my tithe, I'm going to give my 10%. God has to like give me back what I gave him. And it's just, oh, it's, it's, I don't like it. I really don't like it. And I'll get off my soapbox on that. But we talked about that this morning. And we also talked about how that is like totally un unbiblical and like how Paul talks about tithing or not. Yeah. talks about, he does talk about tithing. How Paul talks about tithing, how Paul talks about giving in second Corinthians chapter eight. Um, but yeah, it's and and, and the whole thing about being a generous, cheerful giver. A lot of times it's a, it's a cheerfulness, not because I'm able to give without expectation of receiving back, purely because I love the people or I love the thing they're doing because I love like how they're doing a godly thing in the world. But it's like, a, am going to give this thing kind of begrudgingly, but I feel like I have to, but I secretly hope that I'm going to get something back for it. And it's just, it's, it's so self-centered instead of God-centered and it's, and I'll get, I'll, I'm going to stop talking about that, but I wanted to bring that up because we talked about that this morning. I think that's, it needs to be addressed more in the church that mindset when we talk about money and giving and it's not not to turn this into a church message but uh, point number one money point number two power which feeds into the money thing here's what I think and it's interesting this is one of my gripes with the Catholic Church is the hierarchy of churches and I think this lends itself to the smaller doesn't mean less mm-hmm. concept, which I think we're both starting to believe is more appropriate in the church mm-hmm. where there's a hierarchy. So in, in my experience, it's lead pastor and or executive pastor. And the lead pastor is more like the teaching guy, like the figurehead of the church. And then the executive pastor is basically like the CEO of the church mm-hmm. who like has Basically, he's the CEO of everyone else in the church. Like that comes down to student ministry and family ministry and and small groups and outreach and all that stuff. Like he's all their bosses. So they all report to him so that the teaching pastor and or the lead pastor can worry about leading the flock. Yeah. So to speak. The issue with that is, is that now it comes down to a chain of command. It works like a police precinct. Okay. Mm hmm. You're a rookie here? Okay, well, then you report to your commanding officer if you have a problem, and that commanding officer will then decide if it's worthy or not to make it to the captain, and if he makes it to the captain, then the captain, you know, will take that and 6,000 other comments he gets throughout the day and then rule over everyone with either an iron fist or a carefree, uh, I'll probably just not do anything about it attitude. And, gosh... I have not seen that ever work well yet to where I look at a church that has that hierarchy and I go, yeah, they've got it figured out. And I don't know, maybe that's just because like I, my dad used to be a pastor at a church. So I kind of like saw how, okay, this is how it works. Like, you know, all that kind of stuff. But also I just think like, is any place like going to work like that unless it is a police precinct where like, the attitude of like, hey, we're solving crimes like with murderers and drug dealers. Like we need this rigid stability because like you look at how Jesus led the disciples. His apostles were like, yeah, or uh, yeah, disciples, whatever. Yeah, whatever term that is. And it's like, a, well, yeah. do, do you apostles. think Judas had to go to John and be like, hey, uh, real quick, I just think why are we going to this city when we could go to this city? And John was like, yeah, that's a good point. Okay, well, I'll bring that to Jesus in our next round table meeting. Like, it didn't happen. Like, if Peter wanted to speak up, then Peter would speak up, you know? And he'd usually get rebuked. But Exactly. <laughs> if Thomas wanted to say something, they'd be like, shut up, Thomas. Quit doubting. I'm, like, I'm tired. That sounds like Thomas. That sounds like any Thomas you've ever met, right? Just whiny. Uh... Yeah, but it's like I have not seen and so like the the 
power kind of feeds into the money thing too, because like if you're giving money with the expectation that like, Hey, you're going to feed me spiritually with this. And then someone in power gets to decide what final say gets the money. That's a big issue too in the church. Okay. Well, yeah, I know I promised that we'd have some sort of kids program and I know we promised that the students would go to camp this year. And yeah, I know I promised that we would, you know, do our best to do like a video series or a podcast about our message that we're doing this week. But man, I would love it if we got new video screens because the church down the street has sweet video screens. So that's what we're going to spend our money. On. I'm not saying that that's ever happened. I I've never heard that anywhere, but I'm saying that that's how easy that goes. And I've seen like church elders, you know, have like an elder team, like a board, you know, and they, mm-hmm. they all deliberate and they can vote or whatever. But it kind of just seems like those are for bigger decisions than, Hey, let's, let's, let's spend money on a couple of flat screens for the coffee shop instead of starting that. I mean this, and this is like, I think it's nitpicky. Yeah. And I think what we're getting to is this idea and something that we've been talking about is like, um, once you reach a certain size, yes, there is um, greater potential for some of the reach. I say that with quotes you can have, but also there's like limitations to how much everybody feels involved right. in the thing. And I think that with some of that nitpicky stuff, I don't necessarily think it's bad, but I also just like in hearing you talk and in the conversations we've had about it, I just think, yeah, but that's how it works everywhere, whether it's the church or a company, which we right, could talk should about. Right, you run your church like a business? That's Yeah, and that's the argument, right? Is like, Think about well, all the really well, successful... Well, church isn't a corporation. Right. Think about all the really successful churches you know, and then I'm sure you can name the lead pastor, and I'm sure you can name no one else on staff there, unless you're like really big in Elevation Worship, I guess. I guess you would know the lead names of those guys, but like I know Elevation Church, Stephen Furtick. I don't know the names of the worship leaders. Mm-hmm. What's Mark Driscoll's church? Uh, the Trinity Church, I think, in yeah. Phoenix. You have, I don't even know the names of some of these churches. John Piper. I know. Uh, Bethlehem Baptist, I think. And then Tom Tim Keller does. Uh, Is he still Redeemer's pastor? Redeemer Presbyterian. I think so. New York. Yeah. Uh, Hillsong is New York. It's uh What's his face? Carl Lentz. Yeah, Carl Lentz. You have uh, Judas Smith in L.A. or Las Vegas or Seattle. L.A., I think. Or L.A. or Seattle. I don't know which. It's one of those trendy places. Uh, (laughs) Judas Smith. You have... um, There's too many. But what I'm saying is like all these successful, like big money, big talent churches, there's like one guy that's like, yeah, he's the guy. That's who I want to be led by. That's a little dangerous. Think about how like you view the presidency, like how dangerous it is that some people like look at the president. And they're like, yeah, he gets to make all the decisions. And you're like, that's not how it works. It's how, not how it's set up, but that's how you want it. You know? Yeah. I just think it, like, again, it's so dangerous. And I've seen egotistical. I think, I think also what like, I, I agree, but I also want to diagnose some of the like, outstanding cultural things that like weigh into that too. Right. It's like our, our praise of celebrity. It's like, it's a very Western thing. Yeah. It's like celebrity pastors, right? There's a whole thing for it. Like preachers and sneakers exist because of celebrity pastors. And, um, just like the whole thing about like culture praising this like celebrity status that now pastors like have gotten, which we can argue for better or worse, usually for, worse and like you look at all these like really like no that's not that's really that's really uh critical but i was gonna say like you look at christians and like how like you ever know those like really homeschool people like they don't watch movies like they don't watch you know like they don't know who like chris rock is yeah because it's like so they are given these celebrities in the form of Oh man, there's Stephen Curtis Chapman. He's the greatest. There's Toby Mac. He makes dope hip hop music. You know what I'm saying? Like they give these, like, and I'm not so like Toby Mac is, is it not talented if that's all you listen to? But like you know, 
people do it now with pastors where they're like, oh, hey, man, there's a guy championing, like being the champion of our Christian values on the biggest stage of social media and YouTube Mm -hmm. and like, man, they're circulating Carl Lentz's interview on, you know, whatever radio station. And now they're, you know, circulating uh, Stephen Furtick's thing on Instagram TV and all this kind of stuff. Right. And so it's like, we're like, yeah, that's our guy, which is kind of how Donald Trump gets a lot of these evangelical Christians. If that's what you want to call them to like get behind him. They think he's like God sent because like we've had all these, politicians and stuff they're like yeah we need to do this we need to do that and finally there's this guy that's like yeah man i'm gonna stand up for christian beliefs and like traditional values and we're all like yeah i like that because i haven't had a voice in that for the last eight years Mm -hmm. which is interesting like as soon as someone champions for our like beliefs we're like sweet like i'll go with that guy and it's almost like no questions asked and not it's always no questions asked i guess i want to be clear like there's stuff that Judas Smith said that I'm like, dude, I really like that. Well, yeah, all truth is and, belongs to God, so it's not like there are things Buddhists and Muslims say that you'd be like, yeah, I like that. Like it's <laughs> it's truth. Yeah, I don't have to like pray to the east or the west or whatever. Like if they're like, yeah, we should all we should treat all people with kindness and respect because that's what God wants. I'd be like, you're right. Like that is what God wants. I guess I'm I'm just making the point that like we can we can like. There was something Joel Osteen said that I quoted the other day. Like, I don't like Joel Osteen, but we both were like, yeah, I like that. Thank you, Joel. (laughs) That's how easy it is. Like, and the power thing is like, to me, the most dangerous thing is that we believe in America that like to believe and to back somebody and to be pastored by them means I have to agree with 100% of the things we say. Of course. Because if I disagree with it, that means I have to wrestle with it. And we don't and like it, wrestling. It, well, it's not like, I'm not saying you have to wrestle to begin with. Your pastor says something, you go, I don't know about that. I don't like, I've thought about that in a different way. So you can open your Bible. You can, you know, pray about it. If you're really wrestling with that, that much, or you can go, Hey, like theologically speaking, spiritually speaking, politically speaking, whatever the disagreement is, you can go, I agree with that guy. Mm, 70% of the time. There are things we as friends don't agree on. Like, yeah. you like different TV shows than I do. I have my rationale. You have yours. And it's like at the end of the day, it's not like I sit there and I'm like, well, maybe I should watch Six Feet Under. And you're not <laughs> sitting there going, yeah, maybe I should just watch the entire regular show from beginning to end three times through or, or the off, you know? Yeah. Because you're like, your whole thing is story and my whole thing is I like to laugh and be entertained. Mm-hmm. So it's like... At the end of the day, like, we're not going to wrestle with each other on, like, hey, like, what TV show should we watch? We're just going to go, ah, we disagree. Yeah. Why is it so hard that spiritual things are the same? Because they hold more weight. But I, I, I get what you're saying, and I, and, I, and I agree. I also... It's like Paul and Barnabas. Yeah. I think that there is... Okay. Let, I think you'll agree with this, so, like, let me put it this way. Um... I think that what is important to like to keep in mind and to understand for yourself is like what are those closed-handed issues right the tenets of the Christian faith not the add-ons that all the other Christian philosophy puts on right but what are those core tenets right the the virgin birth like Christ Trinity, the Trinity, his death, Christ's death and his resurrection, his payment for sin, all of that, right? Close handed things. Yeah. But when it comes to like, okay, you can take predestination, substitutionary atonement versus Christus Victor, like all that stuff, like Calvinism, Molinism, Arminianism, like, (laughs) but it's like, with those things, it's not a debate of like, does God do these things? It's like, how does he do them? Right. And we can, we can, like, it's fun to have intramural debates about all that stuff. It's very scholastic. But it's like, uh, at the end of the day, like, that's not where I'm going to like dig my trench. No, and, that's like, not what the hill you want to die on. Exactly. So it's like, you got to figure out what hills are worth really fighting for and which ones you can be like, you know what? We might have a different view. And, like, it's that quote we brought up in the first episode about, like, not do I 
like, do I like the style of music here? The, the Lewis quote about like the doors, the rooms in the house. Right. Right. About like, is righteousness here? Right. Right. Do they love Jesus? Mm. Right. Do they preach Christ crucified his like and his resurrection and like the power of that? You know, if we're going to talk about those things, then great. But all the other stuff, I'm just like, yeah. And it might get to a point where you're like, dude, you, all you preach about is like predestination. And it's like, and told, and I'm just like, oh, right. Right. And you might be like this, I need to go somewhere else where like, I'm going to actually get fed about different stuff than just that. So not saying that there aren't things that you can draw lines on and be like, I ain't going here anymore. But I think it's also understanding like to what are those ticky tack it to the well I don't like that one song they play every week so I'm just not going to go to that church. Yeah, that's not necessarily, and we're going to get into uh, sort of the because the idea about this podcast is that we're reconstructionists, so we don't want to sit here and just go, well, that's it, folks. Here's the three things we hate. All right, and well, what's the third one? Because money, third power one is is one I kind of uh, hold on. I dropped my pencil. Is one I kind of ticky-tacked on there. I like that word. I like that saying now. Uh, is the idea of unwillingness to change. Dude, that's something I've been thinking about. Oh, I've been thinking about that for like three months, four months straight, but go like, ahead. Okay, so you're a church, and you're either losing attendees or... Did you, you watch that Andy Stanley video I sent you? Have you watched that yet? Probably not. Okay, never mind. He talks about that, but... You're losing attendees. People are saying, hey, we don't like this. We don't like that. Whatever. Are you as a church going to just sit there on your hands, stubborn? This is what we just talked about. Right. Just an hour ago. Right. Partially. Go ahead. On the podcast or? No, no, no. Like out in the living room. Yeah. Yeah. We did talk about this. And it sucks like. Because we think of churches as like we started it on these values and we will not change. And that's great. But when it comes down to approach, approach on style. those values, style, there are some things that I'm just like, if that's the hill you want to die on, like uh, an Urban Meyer quote I love is, if you don't like change, you're going to like irrelevance even less. And I think about that a lot. Oh, that'll preach. That will preach. (laughs) Because there are a lot of churches that go, we are only going to sing Jeremy Camp songs. We are only going to sing old hymns. We're going to open Chris Tomlin. Chris Tomlin songs. We're not going to do any King's Kaleidoscope Citizens songs. None of that. Malarkey, right? It's too loud. (laughs) And we don't like electric guitars. Hate drums. Yeah. We're going to read. We're going to approach the, the altar thing, and we're going to flip through that Bible on the stand. Like, why wasn't it already flipped to the correct page? And we're going to read through that, and then I'm going to come out here and give a really loud yelling remark about this. And then what we're talking about is is the idea of this program being so rigid that you are unwilling to look back and go, what can we tweak? Mm-hmm. And it's funny, Urban Meyer talks about systematic leadership. That's his book that I'm pulling all these quotes from. And he talks a lot about systems need to be tweaked Mm -hmm. and your approach needs to change through experience. And it comes down to the quote we used, I think in the last podcast where there are two idols in the church and it's experience and doctrine. Mm -hmm. And sometimes experience is held so high that new experiences, those are just, anomalies in the data when really those are trends and you need to follow those. Hey, guess what? More people would love to listen to the lead pastor explain his message further in a podcast or a YouTube video in a Q and a, right? Oh, uh, yeah, uh, definitely. We, we don't, uh, we don't, we don't want to do that because that's not really what we do here. The pastor needs a whole week to prepare his sermon. We need to be in meetings all week. Hey, it'd be awesome if your church had a counselor on hand that did therapy for mental illness, but also did biblical counseling. Uh, we don't really accept, you know, the mental illness thing. We just think those are all spiritual. 
when truly there could be a need in your church for those things. Mm-hmm. Those are just a few examples of just things off the top of my head. But it's like, hey, those are things that like if you're unwilling to change, they're going to go somewhere else and find that. Because the thing about churchgoers is they think about themselves individually and you have to think about everyone as a generalized. Mm-hmm. Which I think is a struggle about church because it's, it's like... it's a struggle about big church. Yeah. I think that's the thing is like in this, it's mainly this, the problems with the big, like big church. Right. And so... Because the program becomes so important in the big church because if you don't have the program, you don't have control, which like gets down to the whole like, do you trust Holy Spirit discussion? Because it's like to trust Holy Spirit with like that single mom that just walked in through those doors and like doesn't really know what to do with her kids where like you could say, man, just go through this like discipleship program. Like we're going to give you this booklet and here's all this and that and this. And it's just like, maybe this week she doesn't need to be asked about discipleship. Maybe she just needs to come to the front and have one of your people like just put their hands on her shoulders and like pray for her. And maybe in like three or four weeks, then she can meet another mom at this church and they can start a singles mom ministry rather than just getting shoved into this discipleship thing or this new members class. And I'm not against discipleship or new members class. Do you remember this? No. When uh, it was uh, one of our friends went to a church and he's a Christian. He's a very strong Christian. He walks into a church with his friend and he goes, Somebody came up to me and goes, dude, just come here for five weeks. Just five weeks. Give us five weeks. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember this. I go, what? If somebody told me to commit to something for five weeks, just on the spot, I'd go, you're crazy. But that's like what we want to do. Hey, get this discipleship program. Hey, come and listen to the whole series because we just started it this week. So you're going to want to hear the whole thing. Hey, listen to the Spotify playlist that our worship leader. It's like... Because I want you to buy into their program. Yeah. And it's maddening. And that's, I think that's the thing that we're getting to is like with the money, with the power, with, uh, what was the third thing that you said? Unwillingness to change. With the unwillingness to change, with the structure, with the, with the, the rigidness of it, it's all like come and buy, and we've talked about this with some churches around here, like come and buy my thing, come and be in my thing because my thing is the best thing, Yes. right? And my system is the best system and my discipleship program is the best discipleship program and my thing and my program that's going to get your mind right, that's going to get you thinking all the right things, that's going to have all this stuff is going to be the best thing for you. Now, are we going to pray? Are we going to ask for Holy Spirit? Maybe, but probably not because this this program, man, it's fire. All our pastors made it and all this stuff. Do we, you know, but do we man, pray? you're going to say these four words and the angels are oh going to be rejoicing. Oh, my gosh. Let's, it's, it happened uh, last no, no, week no, 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 at no. church and I was very upset <laughs> with Joel Osteen on the stage. We don't, oh go, we don't go to Joel. Gosh. It was very Joel Osteen, though. And then uh, it's like, then you meet the people at this church. And it's just like, yo, they talk to you and it's like a robot's freaking talking to you yep. because it's part of the program. It's part of the thing you say. It's part of the pitch. <laughs> and it's not Last like... Last week was such a wreck for us now that I I'm know, looking back. I know, it's what made us feel like we got to talk about this because it's like, <laughs> yo, when it becomes a program, when it becomes uh. when it becomes a... Not make disciples. When it becomes make some robots, yeah. then like, I got some problems. How many phone numbers do you have in your phone from last week? It's like one. Yeah. Any text, like one text message. Ain't texting me again. Thank you for letting me speak life into you. Love the guy. Like, really, I really, I love the dude. He's a great guy. Literally, once he started talking to me, and I'm like smashing my hands together because, like, I'm, I am in this. I'm fired up, dude. Because, like, oh my goodness. Because it's just like, Yo, once you start giving me that thing, once you say that one line that I know this is part of your pitch to get me to buy into your thing, and it's not about me, it's about you with your thing going to tell your people about your thing and how they, you got me into that thing. Come invite your friends to this thing that and you were invited to. Oh my gosh. Why do we turn church into a pyramid scheme? That's another Yo, episode. That's another episode. Oh my god. Okay. Um so here's here's what I wrote down is the causes. Money, power, unwillingness to change causes spiritual abuse. We prey on emotion as churches. 
Dude, 100%. We have these personality type test applications, like zodiac signs is what I like to call it, where it's like, it's so vague that you look at it and you go, well, yeah. That's me. Last week at church, we talked about spiritual gifts, and the guy goes, there's something in your life that you love getting praised for, and maybe that's what's on the throne of your heart instead of Jesus. And like, I was, I walked out of there yeah, going, it's true. is someone going to sit in the audience and be like, actually, I don't like being praised for anything, so I'm good. Like, this message didn't do anything for me. I was like... What kind of, like, spiritual abuse are we doing to, like, especially, like, college-age kids where we go, hey, you know that thing that you like to do and people like it when you do that thing? And you're like, I do have that thing. And it's like, yeah, that thing is evil. Don't do that thing unless it's for Jesus. And you're like, I will be doing that thing. And, you know, like, I do do that thing without Jesus. I want to start doing it with Jesus. It's like, it's so applicable to life because it's so general. Yeah, it's like how and I look at personality tests, and I go, "They're like, it seems like you're a like a repair, like you've like you've done a lot of repairing in relationships in your life." And you go, "Well, I have, you know, gotten a couple friends to like, you know, talk things out or whatever. Maybe, maybe that is me." And it's like you can always find that one example in your life where you go, "Yeah, you know what? That is my personality. That is my zodiac sign. I do take things personally." Well, that's I, because Saturn's and, where it is right now, so yeah. I'm good. And I think. I think the thing about it is like not that it's it's bad for the fact that it's so vague, not because it's untrue. Yes. That's because they want you to be able to apply it no matter where you are. Yeah, People which is which faith. is the problem with big church. Yes, it's because you're speaking to 2000 people, not 30. Yes. <laughs> and here's the problem with church in general and another Urban Meyer quote, he calls it the 108010 principle about people in groups when mm-hmm. you're a leader he said that 10 percent of your people will be sold out to you they will be devoted 100 percent, 10 percent. okay 80 mm-hmm. percent of people in that group will be halvesies will be yeah i don't know like i like coming here i could see myself not coming here but i like it enough that this is where i'm loyal to mm-hmm. right they'll give as much effort as necessary but nothing further and the other 10% are people that don't care, are this close to walking out every single week, don't care, they won't put any forth, any any effort, any of that, right? The issue that he talks about is he's like, when I'm leading people, I pour so much time into the 10% of people that are devoted to my leadership and devoted to the culture we're building. Mm-hmm. And the goal is for that 10% to turn the 80% into a 10%. And he's like, the teams I've won championships with are like 40, 40, like 20. Yeah. Because he's gotten so many people to buy in. And the issue with church is that when you're preaching to 10% of people that are really deep Christians, and then you're preaching to 80% of Christians that go to church, maybe have a small group, maybe look at their Bible three times a week, like it here, but that's all the effort I'm going to put into it. And then you're preaching to 10% of people that aren't Christians or coming for the first time. You have to preach the same message to all 100%. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's, we've talked about this before. That's the issue. Yeah. It's generalized. It's this umbrella statement because your church is too big. And so basically the last note I have here is these, all these effects is like, this is an implosion of ministry because it doesn't explode. It implodes. It starts from the middle and works its way out. Mm-hmm. It starts at leadership because of the money and the power, and then it kind of just grows with the unwillingness to change. Mm-hmm. And then from the outside, people start leaving, and then it just keeps dwindling and dwindling and dwindling. And I think it's funny, though, because we talked about this. Uh, I was watching Comedians in Cars, and Jerry Seinfeld, somebody said, are you worried about, because of all these Instagram and YouTube stars or whatever, are you worried in comedy. That- in comedy, are you worried that comedy is getting too oversaturated? And he goes, comedy never becomes oversaturated because the comedy ecosystem purifies itself. And I think what you see with churches is the same thing. The church goers, pure, like that church ecosystem will purify itself. But sometimes it takes too long. And what we want to talk about here is the idea that what Center Church is doing down in Springfield, and we've both been there and we both love it there because of how small and tight-knit it is, because of just the function of how the preacher works and kind of asks questions. And it's more of a small group 
with a guy who's really smart leading it. Mm-hmm. And it's not a program because there's like, I'm going to guess that if you pulled one single part of what they do, they do like kind of like a small group where you sit at your table and share with other people and mm-hmm. then they have a person play piano. But I'm sure if you pulled the guy, if the guy who was playing piano was out for the week, if you pulled that out, it'd still be the same experience. Yeah. If Jeremy wasn't there, but he had a friend come in or they had another guy come in and talk and started asking questions, it'd probably work just as well. Yeah. Even though Jeremy is amazing. But that's one of the things we're talking about is these churches, they get so, so big that you have no room for the 10% of believers that are super like hardcore. Like you just force them to be in a small group with themselves and you kind of just shove them off in the corner because you're like so worried about getting new attendance. You're so worried you're about so the, worried about the eighty percent. Eighty percent. Yeah. And then making that last ten percent part of the eighty. Right. Instead of making more the of that eighty part of the ten. Part of the ten, yeah. The ten percent top tier. Yeah. It's it's a stupid dance that they do that they it doesn't need to happen. And that's why you get church plants, and that's why those church plants you see people leave those. I've seen a lot of strong Christians leave church plants and not leave lead church plants mm-hmm. from bigger churches and that church while it is smaller and while they don't have a sweet building maybe they're meeting in a middle school gym have such a more rounded out this is our church this is our preacher but we all get a say in what happens here mm-hmm. that community they have and those family friends seem to last so much longer than the people that are going to these 2400 attendee a week churches yeah i don't know that's i mean and i'm not saying that you need to go break off a church plan or whatever but what i'm saying is do you have that small community of people that are i think we have a friend group like that where we can sit and we can talk and all of us have the same level of understanding that hey we saw this youtube video let's talk about it let's chop it up yeah now all of those things might not be biblically led which again we fail at but you know it's like one of those things that's just that's the hard part i'm trying to reconcile with my faith is like do i want to go to a church in the traditional sense or what can i use not to supplement but to be my church Mm mm-hmm the I, the idea of church to me has a really loose definition. And even we just Googled Bible verses, and I do want to share one of those verses, but we're Googling those, and both of us looked at these verses, and we go, eh, you like, we go, that's not what it's talking about. Yeah, it's the like, first one was like, that's out of, that's not about that's church, con- that's about, that's, that's about, con- uh, what is it, confronting people. Right. Anyway, like the other one is like, don't get drunk with wine and debauchery. It's like sing songs and stuff. And it's like, okay, interesting. Like we have to have like a little karaoke. Like I was like, I've never like I again, like with center, the guy who plays piano. Is he gone for a week? All right. We'll still have church. Mm -hmm. We don't need to sing Elevation Worship's new hit single. Dude, at center, we literally just it's it's funny. We sing old hymns. Yeah. But, and like, if the guy who plays piano is gone, then someone's just going to play the guitar. Right. And it's like, it's not that we forego the singing. It's just that like the, we understand that it's like, and here's, I guess here's the, here's the thing that I want to like hit before uh, you read your thing. Cause I think it will follow into that. Um, and then into this loose quote that I want to read before we end too. Um, but like, I think the biggest issue that we have is like, and what I was like ranting about heavy earlier about getting someone to buy into your thing and your program is like what Jesus did when he walked around and when he picked his like apostles and then when he had disciples, what did he say? What did he ask? He said, you know, just, just follow me. And then when the disciples of John said, are you, are you the Messiah? Are you who John was saying, behold, the Lamb of God takes away the sins of the world. Are you really that? And he said, come and see, Mm. come follow me. Are we actually wanting people to follow Jesus or do we just want people to buy into our programs? Or do we want people to buy into our programs because we think that getting them to follow Jesus is a good look for our program? 
I feel like we could say, like, say that again. We can like get people to follow Jesus. We can have this like idea of like, yeah, 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 come follow Jesus, right? Yeah. But it's because our program will make you do that. So it'll make our program look better. So we'll get more people to follow Jesus because our program works so good. There's like an opposite and equal reaction. Maybe it's the same way you said it, but I totally agree. It's not about going. I, I, but I think it, I think even in that it can become not not in a bad way. I, I think order is good and structure is good and like I think the spirit of God. One of the things it does is it brings order out of the chaos. It takes away the hell. Right. This is why there's different but denominations. Like, it's because different people work with more order. Yeah. And this is why there's mysticism because it's like people work with less order. And there's not one because but these are debatable. It, yeah, but it's also like. We have to learn how to marry the two. Like, right? I don't. I don't think God wants us to live unorderly lives. Something else no. we talked about today, right? How you actually can't give freely and generously and out of joy if your whole life is chaos and you just think, "Oh man, I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills," you know. But, but I'm going to give this. Stat, yeah. But here's this money to this church, right? God doesn't want that, right? He wants you to be orderly in your finances, in your relationships, and in all of that, to be able to give time to some of that mystery, to be able to give time to some of that giving, to be able to give money to some of that thing, or to, like, the kingdom. But it's like, I think at the end of the day, a lot of the the struggle that we're talking about, especially in the big church, is it becomes make the program, make the program, make the program, not how do we engage with people individuals and help them on their walk with Jesus and help them understand Jesus and help help them as they listen to Holy Spirit and it just becomes like oh man have they gone through discipleship have they done this thing have they become members program 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 member 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 and you know what I'm saying we keep getting preached to at our church by the way that church membership is biblical and I haven't found like a concrete like I found like hey you need to be under the leadership of something but it's never like yeah you need to be under the leadership of a lead pastor at a church that like has structure it's like no 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 no, no. it's under the leadership of a spiritual leader which can be anybody in your life you know you have mentors you have accountability partners mm-hmm. you have that's what I'm saying is it doesn't need to be your pastor yeah I think yeah, I agree. I think that at um I think some I think the more what is that um proverb like uh multitude of counselors uh there's wisdom in a multitude of counselors. So like having multiple people who are further than you who are more wise than you able to speak into you is a good thing. Um and being part of a community is a great thing. Now, I think that how I think that we could get into another episode about what maybe should, when we look at scripture, when we look at the Acts church, when we look at what Francis Chan's doing in California, when we look at things like center, when we look at that, like, dude, I'll say this, like, I, I want, I desire to sit under people like Jeremy. Right. Cause I've never felt more free I've never felt like he actually trusts Holy Spirit to speak in my life and speak through him and speak through other people in the community as we have church. But like him and other people there are people that I want to sit under. I don't feel like I have to, but I want to. And I think that's the thing where it's like church I think church membership, yes, is a good thing and it is biblical, but then comes the question what church? What kind of church? Right. And that can be a whole other episode. But to to the point, like, yes, I think having leadership in your life is a great thing. Now, what exactly forms and things that takes are another discussion. Yeah. A good quote I've heard is, and I think you would agree with this about Jeremy, but it's uh, a good leader is easy to follow, hard to please. Mm-hmm. And I, I think about that a lot is like, okay, is this person easy to follow? Are they charismatic? Do I like what they're saying? Do I like how they motivate? Do I like how they... Do they care? Do they care? Yeah. But also, 
is my good enough going to be great? And that's, I think, really important, and especially with like church leadership. That's a little bit harder to nail down about your like effort level. But like, mm-hmm. are is he going to be satisfied? I think church leadership is like a catch 22 there. Because like if you're like, hey, Jeremy, like I want to do an outreach thing. Like he's going to be pleased, but also he's going to push you to do it further and further and further every yeah. single time. Yeah. So I do. Yeah. I, 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 and I do think part of that, that care aspect is so essential because it's the, it's the why behind the what. And it's the, if I really feel like you care, then I'm going to do like, I'm going to follow your lead. I'm going to do what you say. Right. But if I don't feel like you care, I'm not going to care. Yeah. And so you listen to, you know, pastors, whether they are mega church pastors or whether they're small pastors, when you feel like they care and actually care about you and not just, and like want you to love Jesus, right? We've talked about how Piper will even admonish you and you're like, I'm happy you're admonishing me because it does like, it with joy. Cause it does with joy. Cause he wants you to find that same joy in Christ. Right. And so it's like, you're happy to hear that from him because you know, he actually cares. Yes. Where it's like with other people, you're like, I know that you just want me to buy your program, not follow Jesus. We okay. So I'm gonna read this verse. Go ahead, and then we can talk about it, and then we'll we'll wrap this up because I'm sure we're over an hour already. But oh yeah, uh, it's from First Corinthians fourteen twenty six. I don't know what translation this is because it's on uh, BibleStudyTools.com, uh, but. It's uh, basically explaining spiritual gifts and how you bring those in. But I think it's a really good instruction to on how do you format this small church that we're talking about. Yeah, and that can be another episode. It can be another episode. But like my thing is it says, so what then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. And I think it's really important that he says brothers. It's not, hey, you lead pastor. Yeah. Hey, you worship leader. Hey, you small groups pastor. It's none of that. It's, hey, you brothers. Hey, all. Hey, community. Hey, brothers and sisters of Christ. Let's band together and everyone bring something. And I because don't care. We're all, to what goal? To build, to build each other, other up. up. To build the kingdom of Christ up. Yeah. And like, that's what church should be. Not, hey, listen to me speak for 45 minutes because I have a really good thing to say. And then you just all can talk outside amongst yourselves afterwards, which I think is, again, churches are getting too big. Yeah. But I think it's really interesting. I like or an interpretation is the big part. How often are we letting everyone speak about their interpretation of either what God is doing in their lives or what they're reading in scripture or in their prayer life, all of the above. How often are we letting everyone say, here's my interpretation of that. And then somebody else gets to say, Hey, I agree with that. Or, Hey man, I'm going to challenge you on this instead. We don't. And I think that's the big issue. Uh, Luke, you got a C.S. Lewis quote to wrap us up with. Yeah. And this, um, goes with the idea about, uh, the program instead of Jesus um, or the program and Jesus as we, as we maybe should say it, but this is from uh, screw tape letters. Um, This is letter 25 and um, screw tape says this. He says, what we want if men become Christians at all is to keep them in a state of mind, which I call Christianity and, you know, Christianity and the crisis, Christianity and the new psychology, Christianity and the new order, Christianity and faith healing, Christianity and psychological research, Christianity and vegetarianism, Christianity and spell reform. If they must be Christians, let them at least be Christians with a difference. Substitute for faith itself some fashion with a Christian coloring. So it's just like... Mm. have the program have this special thing but also make sure it looks Christian enough so that Christians are going to do it right not just be mere Christians mm. absolutely well I think we've talked long enough you're going to have to chop up a lot of that beginning yeah I will <laughs> 
Okay, I've been Dimitri Lash. Where can they find you, Dimitri? Uh, on Instagram, at D-I-M-I-T-R-Y-L-A-S-H. Also, I think that's my Twitter handle. I'm not sure. My Twitter's not worth following. It's just a lot of college football tweets. Luke? All right. My name is Luke Byler. You can find me on um, Instagram and Twitter at Luke underscore Byler 816. And also, you can find the Belfast Podcast on Facebook. We have a, we have a group page um, called the Belfast Podcast. And there is an Instagram page called the Belfast Podcast. So go follow us there. How often are you going to post on there, Luke? Hopefully at least once a week. Rest when I need and talk when I mandate. I'm Will P from the D's on my summit. I'm a young Steve, but I be missing Jane. Do what you see. But for real, who can run it? That West team cross country every day. Every day. Running with the heavyweight, shorty had to set us straight. The team's nothing without the bond. Stress. Done them right. Done them right. Stress. 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 Done them right. Said it, they pray for me. Told them I need it. Said it, they pray for me. I told him I need it. I told him I.